0: Well, good morning, church family. Thank you for joining us here again online, of course, and we're so glad that you're here in person. Thank you for being here. Uh, We are in part six of this series that you thought would never end called Frequency, and this whole series has been a teaching series about hearing God's voice. We know many people, uh, of course, when it comes to hearing God's voice, you want to hear what God is saying or how do you know if God is speaking to you? How do you know if it's God that's helping you make that decision or if it's just you. And so I hope that this series has been helpful for you. Uh, We have made notes available, of course, online that you can print off. So if you want to grab your notes out and follow along with us today, Uh, before we jump into the talk, uh, first want to make uh, just a quick announcement. And that is that uh, our marketing team has asked that uh, you would uh, do us a favor. And so I said, I'll I'll do it. Um, I'm asking you today to go to our, our YouTube page and subscribe. Uh, It really does help us a lot when people do that, and so uh, if you would love to help support what we're doing here through Brave Church, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to that, share that link, maybe with some friends or family uh, that you've been inviting to be a part of our online services, and that would really help us out a lot. So if you want to help us uh, to continue to advance the gospel in that way through our church, go subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, that's on our website, too. I think you can find the link there on our website as well, and so thank you for doing that. I also want to go ahead and just pray as we jump into uh, the final uh, talk on this series today, and then we'll jump into the message. So, Jesus, we're so thankful for your word, and Lord, today we're thankful that uh, we get to even hear from you today. So help us, Lord, as we open up your word to receive a fresh word from your spirit. Father, our hearts are ready, our minds are ready to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen. Well, like I said, we're in part six of this series called Frequency, and the title of the message is Steward His Voice. We've been in this series uh, for the past several weeks, and today was wrapping it all up. Um, I know it's been a long series, and so I want to just kind of take you on a journey of what we have learned and taught so far in this series. And uh, part one, we titled the series, or the message that day, it is written, that was the title of part one of the of the series. It was based off of a verse, and this whole series actually has been based off this verse. John ten twenty-seven that says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. Now Jesus is talking, and he makes a clear acknowledgement that I speak to my people and they hear me. We were created to hear from God. But a lot of people say, you know, just it's weird to hear God. So if you showed up to work tomorrow and you said, God spoke to me, people might look at you like, that's kind of weird. But the truth is, it's not weird at all. We were created to hear God. It's not just a few people that were created to hear God. It's not just a few elect people that were here to hear from God. Every person was created to hear from God. You were created to hear God's voice He said, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. A relationship with God demands communication with God. So if you want a relationship with God, then you've got to communicate with God. And communication is not just one-sided. I learned that in my marriage very early on, so that's a good thing. Communication is two-sided. It's listening and speaking, right? So if you want to know God's voice, we said in part one, you must know His Word. If you know His Word, then you will know His voice, Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted by Satan, and three times he said, it is written, it is written. And then he goes and references uh, the, the Old Testament, uh, that we would not acknowledge that today as, as the Old Testament. So he goes and references what was written in God's Word or in his Father's Word. The point is, if you want to know God's voice, then you've got to know his Word, because God's voice will never contradict his Word. And so an easy way of knowing if it's God or not is, well, what does the Scripture have to say about it? Then in part two, we said, ears to hear. That was the title of the message. We just got done uh, through a church reading through the Gospels together. Many of you did it. I'm celebrating with you. Forty days, we read through the Gospels together. Amen. That's good. And so one of the statements that was made a lot in the Gospels is having ears to hear. All right, and so we titled this, that talk on part two of this. is about Matthew 13. We talked about the parable of the farmer and the, so, the, the farmer who sowed the seed. And in that talk, we talked about what a parable was, that a parable was an earthly story that just had a heavenly meaning. And so uh, we, we learned in that particular talk and in that parable that that whole parable is about the difference between those who have ears to hear and those who don't, and the difference is those, actually those who, who obey God's Word or put action to God's Word. So we said it this way, if you want to hear God's voice, you're going, God, how do I know if it's you? If you want to hear God's voice, begin to or continue to heed His words or heed His voice. In other words, the more you obey God's Word, the more you obey God's Word, the more of His Word will be revealed to you, and therefore, the more you will hear His voice. Then in part three, we titled it, How to Hear God's Voice. A lot of people struggle with that. How do I hear God's voice? How do I, Is it audible? Is it loud? How do I know if it's God? How can I hear His voice? Well, we gave you one way that you can hear His voice all the time, and that is by speaking His Word. You will hear God's voice when you speak His Word. If you remember, we talked from Ezekiel 37 on the Valley of Dry Bones, where this nation was in disobedience to God. And because they had disobedience, it created distance, and distance created dryness to these dead bones, spiritually dry, dead bones. And so God tells Ezekiel, I don't want you to describe, listen to me, I don't want you to describe what you see, I want you to describe or I want you to speak what I have spoken. I want you to declare what I have said over the bones. And when he did, the bones came to life. So you hear God's voice when you speak his word. So if you feel alone, you could just say, I am not alone. I'm never forsaken. I'm never forgotten. My God never abandons me. And you just heard God speak to you. That's the beauty of speaking God's written word. When you speak his word, you hear his voice about whatever situation may come. If you're speaking his word, you're hearing what God would say to you, all right. Part four, we talked about the one constant. Uh, there's lots of different ways God communicates, right? He can communicate through uh, supernatural things, like burning bushes or like donkeys. If you read the Bible, that's in there. Okay, he he can use all kinds of things to speak to us—a uh, whisper, a gentle nudge. He can speak through somebody else, but one of the constant ways that God speaks is through giving us peace. We have peace about it. Remember, we read through the, this talk in First Samuel chapter three, where Samuel hears God, calls his name, but because he was kind of still new to faith and he couldn't really discern if it was God speaking or not, he goes to his boss, or he goes to the priest, Eli. And he says, you know, what is this voice? Is it you talking? And, of course, Eli knows it's God talking to him. So he says, go back and say, speak, your servant, or speak, your slave is ready to obey. Do you remember that? Speak, your, your slave is ready to obey. And in that mindset, he hears God, and he understands that God has called him to deliver a message. Now, here's the message. If you remember the message from this talk, this talk in part four, the message was a hard, hard message to receive. Because the nation had been without God's voice for a long time. And God was not speaking to the prophets that were there or people that would hear from God and then deliver a message. But God raised up Samuel and he says, I want you to become a prophet. I want to speak to you. And the message he was to go deliver was to his boss, to his priest, this guy who had really mentored him his whole life and helped him in ministry. He said, I want you to go talk to him and I want you to tell him that he's going to die soon. Not only that, his sons are going to die soon. They're not going to have a long legacy, and you're going to take over. You're going to take over the family business. That's that's what I want you to go tell your boss tomorrow. Well, of course, Samuel's terrified. The text tells us in 1 Samuel 3, he's, he's afraid. He doesn't want to have to deliver the message, but he does anyways. And the way he did it was because he had a peace about it. He had a peace that surpassed understanding. Even though I don't want to deliver this, even though fear is trying to overcome me, I'm going to go ahead and go deliver the message anyways because my God has spoken to me and I have a peace that I know that's from God. So one of the greatest ways that you can know if it's God speaking to you is, do you have a peace about it? You don't have to understand it, how to make sure it's all going to make sense, how it's all going to work out, but do you have a peace about it? Oftentimes in my personal life, that is how I've made so many decisions where I've realized that is God speaking. It's not that I can see it clearly. It's not that Noah could see the flood was coming. All he knew is I've got a peace about building a boat. It doesn't make sense. Everybody's telling me it's weird, but I just trust. I think this is what God is speaking to me, and I have a peace about it. So many people can get in trouble uh, not hearing, you know, they, they don't follow peace and because they don't follow peace, they get themselves in situations like Jonah. The point is, when God speaks, there will be a peace. And then part five, we talked about questions to ask God when you can't hear him. Sometimes he's not as loud as you wish he was. And so we mentioned these different questions that you can ask yourself if you're, if you're like, hey, I don't, I'm not hearing God as clearly as I wish I could, or I really need to hear God and I just don't hear him right now. Where is God? Ask yourself these questions. Do I have doubt or unbelief in me? Because doubt sometimes can creep in and be more loud than the words that God has already spoken. And so, is it doubt that's creeping in that's really already taking over? Listen, I've am like got to say this because some people, I believe wholeheartedly, right here tuning in, you're watching, you're here. Listen, God has spoken something over you, but doubt continues, unbelief. Fear starts to creep in and starts to become louder than the words that God has already spoken. That's one of the reasons that oftentimes we can't hear God. It's not that He's not speaking, it's that He's spoken, but the doubt becomes louder than the words He's already spoken. So doubt or unbelief can get in the way from hearing God's voice. Uh, another thing is our, our real motives. What are our motives behind it? James, the brother of Jesus, said one of the reasons why you're not getting your prayers answered, in other words, one of the reasons why you're not hearing God is because your motives are all wrong. Uh, are you in sin? Uh, sin separates us from God, and so God can't abide in sin, and so He can't operate in sin. So sin can stop us from hearing what God is speaking to us. Maybe unforgiveness, who do I need to forgive? Unforgiveness can get in the way of us hearing God. Uh, Who can I go to for godly counsel? So sometimes when we want to hear God's voice and you're not hearing it clearly, well, then ask yourself, is there somebody I could go to that maybe God wants to speak through to me? Who can I go to for godly counsel? That's an important question to ask. Well, today we're wrapping up this series, like I said, in part six of this. And this whole uh, talk today is centered around a word that normally does not get used when it comes to hearing God's voice. It's the word stewardship. Typically, whenever we hear the word stewardship in a church setting or church atmosphere, if you grew up in church, been around church, you think of stewardship, you think typically of finances, or there's a stewardship department, or we think of finances when we think of stewardship. And we get that from the teaching that comes from Matthew 13. Matthew 13, again, is this uh, teaching kind of parable where where Jesus talks about this master who's going to go away on a journey, but he's going to entrust some of his wealth or some of his money into some of his servants. He says, I'm going to leave you with some of this money, and I want you to steward it. I want you to manage the money. The money is the master's, but I'm going to put it into your hands, and I want you to manage it well. And then when I get back, I'm going to find out how you manage my money. And the person who's faithful with a little bit of my money will be given more money. This is the parable that we read about in Matthew 13. But stewardship goes way beyond just money. Yes, we are called to steward God's money. That's one of His resources. But we're also called to steward other things. Look what it says in Genesis 2.15. Now, this is prior to sin. It says, the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, and then he says, to work it and take care of it. So I want you to work the land. You're going to have to get physically a little sweaty. You're going to have to work some, but you're also going to have to take care of it. In other words, I want you to manage the land. I want you to manage the earth. I want you to watch over it and take care of it. Now, this is no different than if a a mom, dad, you're watching, and you tell your kids, or, you know, hey, take care of the stuff that I bought you. Take care of your toys. Take care of your room. Take care of the things that, take care of this house. Help take care of it. What are you really doing is, hey, I want you to manage well what I've entrusted to your care. I want you to take care of it. I want you to watch over it. My, my wife is a full believer in managing the earth. She is like the recycle guru in all the world. Uh, one of the first shirts, I'm not even kidding, that uh, we went on a, you know, me and my wife went shopping when we first got married or something, took her on, and I remember this. It was like the first thing I ever remember her purchasing for herself in regards to, to clothing, uh, she bought herself a recycle shirt. It was literally a recycled shirt. I'm not kidding. That had the recycle logo, and I literally thought I am in trouble because I don't recycle nothing. I'm like the foam, styrofoam, plastic cups all day long. Whatever. I prefer to eat off plastic. I don't. I not want to do a dish. So that's just me. So I knew I was in trouble. And uh, but one of the things that even to this day. Uh, every once in a while, I will sneak in and I'll, I'll try to throw some kind of cardboard in the trash can. And I feel so guilty now after 12 and a half years of marriage that I feel so bad. I'm like, hey, uh, I threw some away just so you know, because it just eats at me. And my wife yells back. This happens all the time. She'll go back wherever she is in the house and she'll say, if you don't want to have our, our kids to have a planet, well, that's up to you. You know, I'm like, whatever, you know. And, but the guilt overcomes me and then I take it out of the trash. I'm like, yeah, you know. But occasionally. My flesh wins, and I just let this stuff sit in the trash. But we are called to take care of our planet. That's the point. We're we're called to steward our planet. That's true. But not just our planet. Look what it says in Psalm 24. Listen, we're not called just to steward the planet, but to steward what's in the planet. Look what it says. The earth is the Lord's. In other words, you don't own the earth. But then it goes a little deeper, and it says... And everything in it. So, everything in the earth, everything is the Lord's. Here's the the paraphrase that, here's the really simple statement to that. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. We are not owners. We are only managers. We're not owners. And then he says, everything in it. And then it gets a little even more deeper. He says, everything in it, the world, and he adds to that, all who, and then if you've got your Bible out, just circle the word who. All who live in it. So we're not only called to steward or manage the earth itself, or or what's in the earth or what's on the earth, but even to steward and manage those who live in it. In other words, we are called to steward our spouses. How are you managing your spouse? How are you stewarding the spouse that God has given you? How about our children? You know, ultimately our children belong to the Father, right? I mean, we're we're earthly parents or we're earthly, you know, we're, we're earthly managers, but ultimately those children belong to the Creator. I mean, we were part of the making process, but we didn't really make the child. I mean, God's the Creator, so you know. Thank God for allowing him to be a part of the process. All my married people said amen. But I'm just saying that, that ultimately it belongs to him. You know, we're just the managers, we're just the stewards of our children, of our spouses. Dare I say, even the body of Christ. And this is what Jesus said: to take care of one another, pray for each other, encourage one another, you know, support one another, take care of, meet each other's needs. What is that? Jesus is literally saying, I want you to steward the body of Christ. We're to steward one another. So how have you been stewarding God's people recently? How are you stewarding, stewarding not just your family, but you're to steward your neighbors? You're just to manage those opportunities, those conversations to the best of your ability. Just think about how, how deep that call is to steward even the people around us, especially within the body of of Christ. I just wanted you to see that we're called to steward things other than way beyond just our finances. It goes beyond just money. And today we find out that not only we're called to steward the things in the world, but we're also called to steward His words. And that's what I want to focus in on for the rest of our teaching today. We're called to steward His words if you have your Bible, you can flip over to Matthew 9. I'm going to read from Matthew 9, Mark 5, and then we'll unpack Mark 1. So let me read Matthew 9. A healing has just occurred, and here's what it says. After the healing of some, some blind men, Jesus makes this statement. He says, then their eyes were opened and they could see, and Jesus sternly warned them. So he's sternly, and he's got a serious look on his face, and he says, don't tell anyone about this. I just performed a miracle in you guys, but I want you to know, don't go spread it anywhere. Don't go tell anybody anything. I want you not to tell a single person. It's not to just these men that he does that, but he does it to another little girl as well who he had healed. And this is in Mark five forty-three. following the healing of a little girl. Jesus said these words, Jesus gave them strict orders. So he's sternly speaking again, strict orders. Do not tell anyone what happened. Don't tell anybody about it. And then he told her, give her something to eat. The point is, hey, don't don't spread this on social media. I want you to imagine this. Don't spread this on social. Don't tell your friends. Don't tell your mama. Don't tell your daddy. Don't tell anybody about the miracle that I just did in your life. Think about how hard that would be. What's Jesus saying? I want you to steward the miracle. I want you to steward what I just did. I want you to manage the words that I just gave you here are the words, don't tell anybody. Now, let's go find out if you're going to manage those properly. You say, why would Jesus, after performing these miracles, amazing testimonies people have had, some are blind, some were dead, some were sick, and now he's saying, don't go tell anybody. Why would Jesus tell people not to say anything? Like, why would he do that? If he wants to get the word out about who he is, why would he tell somebody, don't speak to anybody about this. I think we find the answer to that in Mark 1. Mark 1. This is where we're going to be for the remainder of our time. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Here's what it tells us. There was a man with leprosy, and he came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he makes this statement, if you are willing, just acknowledging, God, I'm not in control here. You're the God. You got this. It, It is according to your will. And I'm asking, are you willing to heal me? Will you do this miracle in me? I know you're capable. I know you're able, but are you willing to do this? Well, Jesus then is moved with spagnesium. That's Greek for compassion. He's moved in his gut, okay? Jesus reaches out and he touches him. Jesus reached out and he touched him, okay? Reach out and touch. Okay, that's whole song. All right. So he reaches out and he touches them and he says, I am willing, he said, be healed. All the people in the 80s were like, yeah, I know that song. Okay. Be healed. Verse 42, instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And then Jesus sends him on his way, verse 43, with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. This man was just healed of one of the greatest diseases of that time in that era. I mean, leprosy was one of the worst sicknesses that you could have had. And yet this man is finally set free. He's able to be around people. He's set free. He's got life back in him. But Jesus tells him, do not say anything. Don't go tell a person. Why would Jesus do this? I think Mark tells us a really great indicator in verse 45. But the man went and he spread the word, and he didn't steward what God had spoken. He proclaims to everyone what happened. And as a result, now again, if you have your Bible, just underline that, as a result, as a result. Okay, so this was the consequence of him doing what Jesus said not to do. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. So this indicates to us why Jesus would have said, don't tell anybody. Because now that you've spoken it, large crowds are surrounding me. Beyond that, it says, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He couldn't publicly go where he wanted to go. It goes on to say, he had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept on coming to him. So here's what Mark tells us. If his miracles were widely known... They would attract so much attention that crowds would begin to form around Jesus and create so much excitement that his movement would be inhibited. That if you speak something here, it's going to to get in the way, it's going to hinder the direction of the ministry that I'm trying to head. So don't tell anyone about the miracle that I performed. He can no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places instead. He could no longer move about as he wished. There would have been a concern. Here's why. A concern, and this makes complete sense. We can understand this. That there was this concern that people would be more distracted, more concerned about the aspects of healing than the aspect of his real ministry, the delivery and preaching and teaching of his word. In other words, they would have been so consumed about Jesus performing a miracle that they would have missed the whole reason why Jesus came in the first place. Which makes sense. I mean, if, if you found a guy who could heal every disease and sickness... Imagine how if that person was walking through our cities and walking through your suburbs and walking through your neighborhood, and he could restore life to anybody who was sick. In our world today, can you imagine the crowds around him? But what Jesus is saying is, I came for a greater purpose than just to bring physical healing. I came to bring spiritual healing, and I came to bring the truth of the gospel of, of, of why I am here. I came to save sinners. I've come to set the captives. Is free. I've come to, to heal the, the brokenhearted. I've come so that sinners, those who are dead in their sin, would have eternal life in me. And his concern is if this gets out and all people think about is the physical healing, they'll miss the whole teaching of my message, of the gospel, of the good news. And because of this one man's disobedience, it begins to hinders the advancement of the gospel in that way. Jesus had come to save the world, not to do miracles. Yes, miracles are a piece or a component of what Jesus does, but it's not the entirety of it. Jesus has come to, set, to heal our hearts, that our souls would go on to have eternal life. You know, this is not all there is. And yes, we cry out for physical healing, and there are plenty of people who can and do and we should. We're called to. That is great. He is a healer, but more than He is just a healer, He is a redeemer. He's redeemed the soul to have eternal life in heaven with him. And so all of this is getting in the way. And he says, don't say anything to anybody because if you do, and I know you've got a good heart and you want to share it. and You want to share the testimony. You want to go public with it. You want to social it. You want to put, you know, on social media. You want to hashtag it. Just healed. No more at leprosy. That's me. You want to do all of that. I, I get it. But you're going to hinder the real movement that I'm trying to cause because you're not stewarding my words well. We're called to steward his words. Because of this, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. But the man ignores the voice of Jesus. When Jesus spoke, I want you to understand this. When Jesus spoke, God spoke. So it's God's words. When Jesus spoke, it's God's words. So Jesus speaks, he receives the words, and he doesn't steward the words. He doesn't manage the call in that moment. And because of that, the ministry of Jesus is hindered. Now, because of his grace is so good, people still came to him, Jesus still moved, Jesus still did what he did but he couldn't do fully what he was trying to do through this particular individual in this particular circumstance, all because of bad stewardship when it came to his words. We are called to steward his words well. Think about it this way. If we really believe that God, the creator of the world, the one who made everything in it, the one who owns it all, as the psalmist writes in 24.1, He's the creator of all things. He made you. He made all things. He's the creator, sustainer, all of that. If we really believe that God is the one who's speaking to us and giving us His words, then I believe wholeheartedly that we are called to steward those words well. Just like the man who managed his master's money he he managed it well some did some didn't but those who managed his words well the, or his money well those who the, the ones who managed his money's wealth well the one who, who did well with it the master returns back and says well done you know here's more entrustment to you because you were faithful with a little bit of money so I'll entrust you with a little bit of more of my money my wealth and my riches the same is true with God's voice. Now, you've got to hear me on this. The same is true with God's voice. If we want to, be, uh, to show God that we will steward His voice well or we'll steward His words well, if we want to hear more of God's voice in our life, then we have to steward the voice that we have heard. If you want more of God's voice in your life, then begin to steward the words that He's already spoken to you. Because the more faithful you are with the words that he has given you, the more words that he'll give you. But you have to be faithful with the words that he's already spoken to you. If you want God to speak to you more, let's say, you take this this love letter that God has written us, we take this and we say, okay, God, I'm going to steward the words. I'm going to steward this book well. And by the way, stewardship of this book does not mean putting it in a glass and locking it away so that no one touches it. On the contrary, stewarding this book would probably look more damaged. It would look more like it's been written in and marked in and it's been used a lot. That would be stewarding God's words appropriately, putting them to use in our life. But if you want to steward His words well, the more you steward His words, the more words you will receive. It's the same principle as we find in the principle of the manager with the money we break it down make it as simple as i can for you some of you have been told to pray for somebody you've been told to pray for somebody maybe you're supposed to call them up i feel like i'm supposed to pray with that person and god has spoken to you and he's given you his words but because you didn't steward the word that prayer got hindered and that that phone call didn't happen You were supposed to forgive the person and make that call, send that text, but you didn't. And so it hindered the ministry that God was trying to do through you to that particular individual. God was calling you to make a change in your life. God was calling you to give up something in your life. God was calling you to start something new. And he's, he's entrusted that call. He's given you that word. But because of fear, because of doubt, because of whatever the case may be, you, you go ahead and you do what the man did. You, you tell somebody something you shouldn't have said or you refuse to say it. You refuse to start it. You refuse to, to go there. You refuse to make that change. And because of that, you don't steward his words well. And because of that, the ministry that God was wanting to do through you and in you to get to somebody else becomes hindered all because we don't steward his words well we don't manage the words well in our lives god tells you to invite somebody god tells you to share the gospel with somebody and then we don't and we don't steward the word well here's the lesson when god speaks and this is how I wanted to wrap up the series was talking with our staff and I said I think you know, we we're kind of debating on it, which one do we put at the end. We really felt strong. We should put this talk at the end of the series because this is really what it comes down to. You know, we could cry out to God to speak to us. We could ask God, speak, give us your words, tell us what to do. But just know this, whenever God speaks to you, we're called to steward those words well. When God speaks, we must steward his words well. Regardless of whatever the instruction, we need to know that when God speaks, we must steward those words. Don't mismanage his words. Instead, manage them well and do with it, do it with humility, with faith, and obedience. The greatest words, and this is what today is all about, the greatest words that followers of Jesus must steward well is the gospel. What you to think about this for just a minute? Jesus came to call sinners to heaven, that we would have eternal salvation. The greatest words that you could ever steward is the gospel. So I just want you to take a moment with me to just just imagine for just a second that this written word of God that I hold in my hands is the gospel. Now, let's just take the parable of the master and the servants and the master says, I'm going to give you some money. I want you to manage it well. But in this context, God says, I'm going to give you something else to steward. I'm going to give you my word to steward. I think the greatest call to stewardship that the church has today, the body of believers, that is, comes in Matthew 28. It's a call to be a manager. It's a call to be a steward. It says this in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus told his disciples. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, say, I'm not a disciple. That's what we're called, to make disciples, to be people who follow Jesus Christ. Jesus never used the word Christian. Christian was used as a derogatory term, Christanos. Jesus would have called his followers disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, I believe wholeheartedly this is what we're called to steward the most. Jesus says, I've been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. With that being said, he says this in verse 19, the great commission, this great call, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, and teach these people. Teach these new disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've commanded you. Teach them to obey. I'm entrusting this into your care. You see, I'm leaving, but I'm going to ask you to do this for me while I'm gone until I return. Not just to manage wealth, although you should. And yes, tithing is good, Jesus would say once. Yes, he would say in the New Testament, tithing is good, but I want you to manage my words. I want you to manage this, the gospel teach those new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. God has called us to steward the gospel. And this just gripped my heart this week. Just really kind of gripped on it. Like, how are you stewarding the gospel? When Jesus returns back, the master returns, how have you stewarded the gospel story? I mean, have you buried it in the sand? Have you like you know, well, out of fear what people might think or say about you, you just kind of like shove it away, and or have you left it for somebody else to do? Like, you know, maybe you took the money, you took the gospel, and you put it into somebody else's hands to steward for you while the master's gone. We've done that far too long. Every believer is called to make a disciple, to go and Preach the gospel, preach the good news. And yes, churches are set up and there's different giftings within the body of Christ, but we're all called to share and advance this gospel story. I'm called to steward it. How have you stewarded the gospel? Stewarded his words, the greatest words ever spoken, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why he tells the guy, man, don't, don't go tell everybody because this is not about physical healing yeah physical healing is necessary and and there are times i'm moved with compassion and i'm going to perform the physical healing but that's not why i came i didn't come just to resurrect the dead in this particular manner i came to resurrect the spiritually dead those who have life in me life abundantly the rich and satisfying life life for eternity it's a much bigger deal to live forever than it is to live for a moment I don't want you to miss this. So don't tell anybody, steward my words. But the guy didn't steward the words. So it hindered the ministry that Jesus was wanting to do. The same is true for us, church. When we take this gospel, we bury it. We're just hindering the ministry that God is trying to do through us and in us. We've got to steward the gospel got to manage it Got to. god has entrusted his people the body to take the gospel while he's gone to the ends of the earth we've got to we've got to do it we have no chance we have no choice it's like yeah we're called to be good stewards this is what good stewards do they steward the gospel they steward the words that he speaks whatever word God may be speaking into you, I can tell you one word that He's already given you if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, and that is to steward the gospel well, to carry it out to the ends of the earth. If you want God to send you more people to share the gospel with, then just start sharing the gospel with the people that He puts right in front of you. Oftentimes we ask God, God, but I don't have anybody around me, I don't have any friends and people around me. then just start with your uncle. Just start with your neighbor. Start with the coworker. Start with the person to drive through at Chick-fil-A, if that's where you go. I don't know. Just, just start somewhere. Start with the people that God puts in front of you. And then he who is faithful with giving the gospel to little will be entrusted to giving the gospel to more. And God will send more people your way because you've been a steward of the words that he's given you. How are you stewarding the gospel? Steward God's words. Brave, we've got to continue to spread this gospel message with our family, with our friends. Because the world is ending? No, because the fear? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we've got to do it because that's the call yesterday, today, and Forever. Like, it's never changed. It's not going to ever change until Jesus returns back and says, Now I'm here to establish my kingdom on earth. But until that day, we're called to steward this gospel story, this love story about God leaving heaven and coming to earth and dying for the sins of the world so that people would know the love of Jesus, that they would know his love, they would know his heart for humanity. This is great news that we're called to share with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, and even with our enemies. I want to tell you this gospel story. I mean, it can be weird to share this message and not steward this platform well today as I have many of you watching online and you in here in the room. I mean, this is a platform that God has given me to share this gospel message. How could I not? Here's the gospel. The gospel is this. And it starts with kind of bad news, and that is we're not perfect. No one can say they're perfect. Every person has sinned. Every person sins. You say, what sin? Lying? You ever lied, stole something, deceived somebody? You said no, maybe you've never done that. How about commit adultery? No, no, no. That's a little higher one. How about had pride? How about jealousy? How about greed has greed ever gotten the best of you well the bible would call that sin nobody's perfect but heaven is a perfect place it's it's holy it's blameless there's not a sin there at all there's not a sickness there's not a disease there's no death there's no greed there's no shame there's no guilt there's no pride there's no envy in heaven envy's not tolerated in heaven. Hatred, not in heaven. How do you have a place like that? You have to have perfect people. How do you have perfect people? You put your faith in a perfect God. And when you put your faith in this perfect God who dies for the sins of the world, we are made righteous and perfect and blameless in the eyes of God. And when our souls go to heaven, they get new bodies, but the soul is perfect and it's blameless and and it's no greed in the soul. There's no shame in the soul. There's no hurt and there's no jealousy. There's no envy. Uh, There's none of that in the soul, this new soul that we're given this new life in Christ Jesus, the Bible says a new life in Christ, all by putting our faith and our trust in this God, Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh. And He did it for us because He loves us that much. And He overcame death. Three days later, He rises from the dead so that we could have eternal life, that you don't have to fear death. You live forever with Christ Jesus in heaven. This is great, great news. It's not about the rules that many people think. It's about giving your life to just Jesus, who unconditionally loves humanity, that He would leave heaven. He would come to earth and die for the sins of the world. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. We're called to steward those words well. It's the greatest thing we can steward. And God has entrusted His body, His bride, His people to share that. are we doing how are you doing stewarding god's gospel this story this good news one of the things we're going to do as a church uh, this afternoon after 4 p.m eastern standard time we're going to be sharing the gospel story on our website just going to be a video link we're going to try to make it within about two minutes as, as best we can to condense it down for you that you could just go to our website and you could share the link you could just tell somebody, go to our website right there on the homepage, and we're going to leave it there, church. We're going to be a church that shares the gospel with people, the truth, the gospel, that people would know the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so maybe today, you don't want to just depend on us to do it. Maybe I encourage you, if you know this gospel story, go call a friend, tell somebody this gospel message. We can't bury it in the sand any longer. We're called to steward his voice, steward his words, so that when the Father returns back, we can say well done you, you did what I asked you made disciples you told people about the story about why I came you helped people find me and so today you go to our website you'll be able to find that link there right there on our website and you can just share it with a family or friend or you can watch it and you can just steal the words from it repeat it, it doesn't matter to me I don't care uh, today I had a friend watching online today and I told him I mean I'll do anything to get the gospel to somebody I said I'll say the word boom just to get you on to watch online today and he did he watched our first service, and I said, boom. And I'll say it again, boom. Because if that's what it takes to get somebody to Jesus, amen, I'll do it. I encourage you today, church. As we hear God's voice, let's remember to steward his words well. So when he speaks, don't just deceive yourself and listen to it, but do what it says. James one let Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this teaching series on hearing your voice. Lord, as our hearts are filled with unbelief at times or doubt, God, as we desperately cling to you today, many are clinging to you to hear your voice today. They just want to hear your voice, hear your words of comfort, hear answers to questions, answers to decisions, married couples looking to make decisions young people looking to make decisions that seem massive. Father, I pray that you would lead them in those decisions. Lord, I pray they have ears to hear you, eyes to see you, that they would know your voice. But Lord, as they hear your voice, I pray that they would be filled with strength to carry it out. Not just obey it, but even to manage the call, to manage the voice, to manage the words, to steward them well that we would become followers of you, that you would look back on us one day when you return and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Jesus, we love you. If today you want to give Jesus Christ your life, you can just tell him that right now. You just say, God, I want to give you my life. I give you my life today. And we want to be here to stand with you as a church if you're making that decision. Just let us know. Put it in the chat room. Uh, Email us. We want to walk through that journey with you. We want to give you a Bible, whatever we can to empower you and encourage you as you make your faith known to the world in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.